Good morning, uh, Concord. Uh, as you can already tell, I'm not here this morning. I'm actually over in Africa currently. So y'all keep me in your prayers. Very excited about what God's doing through First Day Ministry and so glad to be a part of that. We're actually going to be graduating around 300 pastors this weekend from a pastor training school. So very, very excited about that. In the days ahead, uh, we've got a group that's going up to North Ethiopia into Gandar, and they're going to look at another opportunity to start another theological training school. So keep us in your prayers. Now, I challenge you to be in church on this particular day because I really do believe God has a message directly for you. So you got your Bibles. Uh, Go ahead and open them up to Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. So as you're flipping uh, through the pages of your Bible looking for that text, I want to remind you of what we've been talking about over the past uh, month and a half or so. You know, we began to talk about the glory of God. And as a church body, we really want to experience the glory of God. Now, whenever we say that, what we're saying is that as we gather together, we want to encounter the Lord as a fellowship where we understand and experience his presence among us, and he's working mightily in our midst. Now, as you and I have the opportunity to experience the glory of God together, then the glory becomes a movement. Uh, Literally, that means that we want to see what we have experienced here together in the context of the church move out into the communities. So as a congregation, we so desire to delight in the Lord that we want to go and encourage others to find their delight in Him as well. You know, I think I've made this statement a couple of times. I read it not long ago, but it's just a great statement that the soul of man is never satisfied until it finds its satisfaction in a relationship with Jesus. Now, I'm confident that if we genuinely believe that as a church, we want everybody to know it. So we want to be challenged to make sure that we are going out from our fellowship into the communities where God has planted us and being bold witnesses with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, in Luke's gospel, chapter 10 and verse 2, I'm sure you found it by now, but just uh, take a moment and look again with me at the context of what is happening. I'm just going to read verse 1 and 2 and then share with you some things I think the Lord's really put on my heart for our fellowship. The Bible says, After this, the Lord, he appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. And he was saying to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So, In Luke's Gospel, uh, chapter 10, what we have really is a paradigm of ministry that Jesus is using. And here's the paradigm. Jesus calls people to himself. Jesus gives a message to the people. And as you remember in study of Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, specifically verse 9 as well as 11, the message that they were to share was that the kingdom of God has come near to you. So again, here's the paradigm. He calls people to himself. He gives them a message, and then he sends them out into the cities and the communities, the surrounding areas. And then towards the end of Luke's gospel in chapter 10, uh, the group actually comes back to Christ, and they all sit down together and they share their experience of what all had taken place while they were on their missionary journey. Now, I want you for just a moment to kind of uh, go with me possibly where my mind is, if that's Uh, If you have the ability to do that, I think it would be awesome. But what I want you to do is think uh, kind of the same way the Lord has got me thinking concerning uh, this paradigm. All right? 
So imagine with me, Jesus, he has called some thousand worshipers together at Concord. So he's called us together as a group to experience him. He has given us a message as a church. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he is now sending us out into the communities. And then as we gather back together on the weekly basis, we have the opportunity to share about how our journey has been with the Lord as we have shared the good news of the gospel. So again, you have to allow this imagery uh, to go into your mind. Imagine the scene, uh, people from Concord after church is over. They are flooding outside the four walls of the church, going directly to their cars, and they have a mission for that week. Imagine that their mission is to find one person that they already know, that they already come in contact with, most likely on a weekly basis, and they take the opportunity to sit down with them, and in a matter of about three to five minutes, they share the gospel message with that person. Imagine what that would be like if you have a thousand people doing that. Now, it was only a couple of weeks ago we all uh, discovered uh, that surrounding our church, there's six counties, and there's about 230,000 unreached, unchurched individuals. Could you imagine if we went out from here, a thousand of us, equipped with the gospel, and we shared the gospel with someone? How awesome that would be to see not only the glory come down in our fellowship, but the glory flow forth from our fellowship. I mean, like a cool spring in the desert. And people finding their hope in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And you know, really that's our goal together this morning. It's my challenge to you. I want to send you out into the community encouraged, equipped, and ready to share the gospel with at least one person. So right now, here's what I want you to do, and I can't see you, so I'm just trusting the Lord that this is going to happen, all right? I want you right now to tap the shoulder of the person who's sitting next to you. Go ahead, tap them. I'm, I'm waiting on you. Go ahead. Tap them real hard. Very good, very good. Now say this to them. You are going to share the gospel this week. Go ahead, tell them real quick. Tell them real quick. It's going to be awesome. Now, some of you, everybody back with me. Look, look, look. Some of you, after hearing someone tell you that, man, you thought to yourself, share the gospel. Is this guy kidding? Not kidding. You know, there's, um, I guess, about four different kinds of attitudes or people that I've run into since I've been in ministry when it comes to sharing the gospel. Uh, and I'll kind of introduce them to you. I've given them names. And uh, yeah, the names are corny, but hopefully they'll stick with you. Uh, one of the individuals, uh, whenever he hears that it's time to share the gospel, is just scared to get to death. I mean, I call this guy uh, Freddie Freddy Cat. You know this guy? Freddie Freddy Cat is more or less like, I'm so scared, man, when it comes to sharing the gospel. I'm telling you, I'm afraid that if I share the gospel with my friend, I'm going to lose a friendship. I'm, I'm, I'm terrified when I think about telling others uh, concerning their sin or judgment or Jesus. Man, I'm just scared to death. And, you know, Freddie Freddy Cat's like in church, but he's biting his fingernails when it comes time to share the gospel with other people. But then I introduce you to a guy named Andy Apathetic. Andy Apathetic, he's basically like, I know there's a hell. I know Jesus saves, and I'm, you know, I'm good with that, but really, man, share the gospel. Uh, don't we uh, have somebody else who can do that? Matter of fact, surely somebody else in the church will do that. And 
they're apathetic. They become lazy. They're not aggressive. Um, they're not passionate about sharing the good news of the gospel. But then there's this guy named Timmy Too Good. Timmy Too Good. I mean, he's like, I, I know there's a hell. I know Jesus saves, but uh, without any doubt, my role is just to serve within the context of the body. And besides, man, don't we have paid staff members at church to do that kind of work, sharing the gospel? So Timmy Too Good, he would never say that he thinks he's too good. But really, when you have the attitude that someone else can do it, because somebody else is maybe getting paid for it or whatever the case may be, but not me, then that is an attitude of arrogance. That's Timmy Too Good. I hope you're not like that. And then there's uh, the fourth guy. I call him Larry Lack of Knowledge. Larry Lack of Knowledge, I mean, he's a trip. He's in church all the time. There's no doubt he goes to all the Bible studies. But whenever we begin to talk about sharing the gospel, Larry Lack of Knowledge says, I don't know enough. I just don't know enough information. What if somebody asks me a question and I don't have the answer to it? And man, I just look ridiculous or maybe I say something and mess them all up. And so Larry Lack of Knowledge, because of his fear of not knowing something or maybe even saying the wrong thing, he doesn't say a word at all. You know, I was reading an article in preparation uh, for this message in which they did this study of individuals uh, within the church and reasons why they did not share the gospel. They actually uh, found out that uh, mainly people did not share the gospel because of fear, because of apathy, because of arrogance, and also because of ignorance. You know, that's the attitude that uh, quite often makes up the average church member. But here's the awesome thing about you, Concord, is you are not made up of average church members, all right? You uh, have the opportunity to experience and express the attitude that is reflected in the Scripture. You know, the Bible teaches that we have been given power to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. The, the, notice that again. The Bible teaches that we have been given power to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, where does the power come from? Well, the Bible teaches that there is the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, listen to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Scripture says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and even the remotest parts of the earth. So Jesus said to all believers that they would receive the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes to reside within us to give us power to witness of Jesus Christ. And the word power is a Greek word that literally means the supernatural ability. And some people are like, I can't share the gospel, man. What are you talking about? Um, that's why we need the Holy Spirit. Because we don't have the power in and of ourselves to share the gospel. But the scripture says, Jesus speaking, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you as believers, he will give you supernatural ability to share the gospel uh, you know, Paul even asked the church in Ephesus, uh, listen to what he says in Ephesians chapter 6, 19 and 20. He says, pray on my behalf that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. So Paul is praying. You would think Paul the apostle, I mean, he's sharing the gospel everywhere. The reason he's doing that is because he is surrendering himself to the Holy Spirit who resides within him. 
And he makes it a constant prayer of his life and gets others to pray for him, saying, pray for me that God will give me boldness and bring to my mind the words that I need to share when I deliver the gospel. And it's awesome. When you think about that term boldness, it's not like the idea where you are shouting or hollering at somebody or putting someone down. Uh, The idea of boldness literally speaks of more or less having the ability to speak the truth plainly. That's boldness. And we pray for that. You know, we pray as church members that God, by his Holy Spirit, would give us boldness, enable us, empower us with supernatural ability to speak the gospel message plainly so that others can hear. So we know we have power because we have the power of the Holy Spirit. But I'll go a step further, and this is awesome. There's also the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel. Think about what Paul writes in Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. He says, I am not ashamed. That means he's not timid, he's not scared, he's not fearful. It gives the imagery, uh, literally, of an individual who is a coward, who is uh, afraid to stand up and speak for himself, always hiding in fear of what others might think or say. But Paul's like, that's not me, man. I am not ashamed. You know, when I think about uh, not being ashamed of the gospel, an individual always comes to mind. In fact, uh, I know I'm talking to you right now on video, but I'm currently hanging out with a good buddy of mine over in Africa. His name is Pastor Dumbe. Pastor Dumbe is one of the strongest, boldest witnesses of the gospel that I have ever met in my life. Pastor Dumbe in South Ethiopia has planted Uh, over 300 churches himself. He's led those church plants. And I remember on one occasion, we were hanging out, um, really doing a medical facility. I had taught in a training school all day, and I'd gone to that medical facility that we had put up to minister to people. And Pastor Dumbe and a few of his friends were there smiling and laughing and carrying on. And so I got in the midst of the conversation to figure out what they were talking about. Pastor Dumbe began to share with me how they had previously come to that same village where that medical tent was set up, and they had sought to preach the gospel. And here's how they would go into a village. He told me we would arrive into a village, and we would go in and say, we've got good news that we want to share with you. Good news. And people would gather together to hear the good news. He said it was perfectly fine until we began to start talking about Jesus. And as soon as we began talking about Jesus, even in this village, all of the people became irate. And they began to throw rocks at him and ran them out of the city. And they would beat him on the back with clubs. And he had been in village after village after village, boldly declaring the gospel, even in the face of great persecution. And the reason that he was laughing so hysterically there is, first of all, they're laughing because they're getting beaten for sharing the gospel. They loved it. But also they were laughing at how good God was because when they went and shared the gospel in that particular village that what they were run out of, an individual in that group heard the gospel message for the first time. And that night, that individual gave their heart to Christ. And then that individual became bold and began to share the gospel in the village until many people in that village came to Christ. And as a result of his bold witness, the glory movement started in that particular area. And then we were granted opportunity to go in and minister to their physical needs and continue to share the gospel. Man, Pastor Dumbe is such an encouragement to me as I think about him sharing the gospel. 
But you know, Pastor Dunbay, normal guy. But what is awesome about him is that he has learned to submit to the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. He's also learned to trust in the power of the gospel, the supernatural ability of the gospel to radically change a person's life. I mean, don't you believe that? Has not the gospel changed you? So if the gospel has changed you, you know that there's power in the gospel. So now we're challenged to get out and share the good news. You know, as I consider that story about Pastor Dumbay, I immediately began to think about our fellowship. You know, what would it be like if you became a bold witness in your workplace? And maybe you went back to your insurance company and you shared the gospel with one person and that one person came to faith in Jesus. But then it began to start a chain reaction where the entire office had an opportunity to hear the gospel and many came to faith. Or maybe you work in the school or maybe you're a teenager and you're on a ball team or you play in the band or whatever the case may be, but you share the gospel and then a wave of God's glory begins to move through that particular area as many people come to faith in Christ. I mean, do you believe God can do that? I believe he can, but here's the deal. I think if we really believe God could do that, we would share the gospel. So, man, I want to encourage you that you have the power to share the gospel. That's what the Bible teaches. The Holy Spirit resides within you, and you also have the glorious, powerful gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, there's another truth that I want to share with you this morning, and that is that the gospel just means good news, and it has three major components to it. So the gospel means good news. It has three major components to it. So here's what I want you to remember, all right? The three components of the gospel. Component number one, man has a sin problem. I think all of us would agree with that. We are sinners by nature, and we are also sinners by choice. And the Bible says that the wages of our sin is death. So for all of our hard work of sinning, we deserve to die. So um, there's nothing we can do about that. You know, sin is disobedience to the will and the way of God. And the Bible teaches that our sin requires judgment. Hebrews 9 and 27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. You see, God will punish the sinner at the judgment by sentencing him or her to hell for eternity. Now, how many of you would agree that man has a sin problem? I think you'd agree with me on that. But here's the awesome uh, part about the gospel. Second component, God has a sin solution. I think, you know, that would be a good place to say amen. If I could hear you from Africa, amen. God has a sin solution. The solution to our problem of sin is the person of Jesus. So God showed us how much he loved us, even as sinners, by allowing Jesus to die in our place on the cross. Romans chapter 3 and verse 25 says, Jesus, whom God displayed publicly, was a propitiation for our sins. In his blood, through faith and you know, the word propitiation simply means to cover over or pardon a person from their sin. See, God's wrath was poured out on Jesus for us on the cross. You know, uh, many of you have heard of Hoover Dam, I'm confident. It's a massive structure. It holds back miles and miles of waters, causing it to fill up every crevice and reservoir in its path. God chose to hold back his wrath with the dam of his compassion. And as thousands of years passed, the powerful raging river of God's wrath was stored up continually. Yet in God's providential and perfect timing, his just wrath, it burst through the dam and it was poured out on his son Jesus Christ at Calvary. 
See, Jesus died for us. Jesus died in our place. And then the Bible says three days later, he was gloriously resurrected. How many of you would agree, though, that man has a sin problem, but God has a sin solution? But here's the third component of the gospel. And that is, man must trust in Jesus for salvation. Now, many of you know this uh, verse, and it's John three sixteen. Now, I know I can't hear you, but what I want you to do is I actually want you to say that out loud with me, all right? So, you ready? John three sixteen. say it out loud. Your neighbor is going to get on to you if you do not. So, I'm talking to you. Here we go, together on three. One, two, three. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. What an awesome verse of scripture, amen. John three sixteen. so simple. And the term here for believe in Jesus speaks of a time in a person's life when they realize that they are a sinner and they realize they can't save themselves. And they understand that Jesus died in their place. He was buried and resurrected. And they make a decision to follow Christ. That is trusting in the Lord. That is literally believing in him as the Bible teaches. You know, once this decision is made, a person comes into a personal relationship with God. And their lives are radically, eternally altered and changed. So let me just reiterate for a moment the three major components of the gospel Man has a sin problem. God has a sin solution. Man must trust Jesus alone for salvation. That is the gospel. And what is awesome is within the context of that simple message is overwhelming power that can flood into a person's soul, forgive them of their sin, and radically change their lives. You know, God has given us the supernatural ability to share that message through the Holy Spirit. And here's what I want you to see this morning. And that is God has put people in your path who need to hear the gospel. It's right there in your notes. Write it down. God has put people in your path who need to hear the gospel. So you have to get ready to share the gospel. You've got to be ready to do that. Now, typical when I share on the importance of getting the gospel message out, there are always people who ask me, you know, how do I get the conversation started? I mean, uh, I just can't get the conversation going. So how do I do that practically in sharing the gospel message? Well, I want to share with you um, this morning how to actually accomplish that so that it's very easy. I want to be as practical as I possibly can as well. So whenever you came in, all of you received... Uh, a track, a gospel track. These are probably some of my very favorite gospel tracks to use. So if you'll take those out right now in your seat, pick them out. There's a blue card. There's also a red card. So everybody's got them and uh, you're looking at them now. All right. So take a look at them. Look at the backside though, card two. And uh, really that's what we're going to use in just a moment to show you how to very easily share the gospel. Now here's how you're going to be able to get into a conversation this week and share the gospel just like that. Easy peasy. You ready? Here's what you do. You're going to run into somebody who's a friend of yours. We'll talk about how to nail that down in a moment. But you're going to run into somebody and you're going to say, ma'am, I go to church at Concord and my pastor is crazy. Do you all agree with that, by the way? 
So you're like, I go to church at Concord and my pastor is crazy. He has challenged us to go out and share something with one person this week. And do you mind if I take a couple of minutes and share with you that one thing? Or my pastor is going to go nuts. They're talking about stoning us and stuff, all right? It's a little joke. So here's what we've got today, all right? I've got the opportunity to introduce you to a good buddy of mine, Casey Riles. Casey's hanging out with me uh, today. Good to see you, Casey. Say hey to everybody. Hello. And uh, fired up to see Casey. Casey uh, also is not at church today. He's actually on an anniversary. But Casey is going to more or less be an unreached, unchurched friend of mine that I'm going to have the opportunity to share the gospel with, and I'm going to show you how to use these particular cards, all right? So here I am in a conversation with Casey, and I'm going to go right into it on how to start the gospel presentation. And here's how it works. Casey, you know I go to Concord, right? Pastor down there is crazy. You agree with that? I've heard. I said, yes, you have heard, all right? But uh, what he's done is he's challenged us to go out and uh, to share something with one person this week. So give me a few minutes, man. Let me share this with you so you know I don't get in trouble or anything. You down with that? Sure. All right, appreciate it. So what I want to do is ask you a very simple question. I want to ask you to look at these cards, and uh, you see the colors, right? Which one looks bigger to you? The red one. The red one. All right, now, what if I do this? Which one looks bigger to you? Now the blue one. Yeah, now the blue one, right? Really, they're both the exact same uh, size. And bottom line is that it's an optical illusion. It's kind of uh, there to remind us that not everything is as it seems. You know, there's a lot of people who think that they're going to go to heaven whenever they die. So let me ask you, Casey, man, if you died right now, do you think you would spend eternity in heaven? Oh, yeah. All right, well, tell me, uh, how is it that you're so confident in the fact that you're going to go to heaven whenever you die? I'm a good guy, man. You're a good guy? So you think because you're a good person, you're going to spend eternity in heaven, right? That's right. Well, I want to tell you, things aren't always what they seem. A lot of people think that they're good enough to go to heaven. But, you know, we're actually going to be judged based upon God's moral law, the Ten Commandments. You've heard of those, right? Right, okay. All right, now notice what I just did. I brought up the Ten Commandments, and then I'm going directly to card two. And on the back of card two, you'll see a list of quick little questions you can ask an individual. And here's the deal. You know, I've used this method many times, so I kind of have it memorized. Uh, But you may not have it memorized, right? So you can literally just read the card to that individual. So watch how this works. All right, you've heard the Ten Commandments, right? Right, okay. All right, so one of the commandments says you should never tell a lie. So let me ask you, how many lies have you told in your lifetime? Told a few lies. A few lies. All right. So if I told lies to you, what would you call me? A liar. You call me a liar. And the Bible says that liars will have their place in the lake of fire. Not good. Now, there's another uh, commandment that says you should not steal something. Take anything that's not yours. So have you ever stole something? I guess I have. You guess you have? Uh, I mean, you took something that wasn't? Okay, you have. I stole. All right, you're a thief, man. I knew you were a thief. All right. Here's the deal, though. The Bible says thieves will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I'm also going to ask you another question. Have you ever committed adultery before? I'm good on that one. All right, so you're, you're good on that one. Well, here's the deal. Jesus says in the New Testament that if you have looked at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery with her already. All right? You want me to just go to the next one? I'll go to the next yeah. one. All right, so here's the next one. The next one that I would ask you is, have you ever murdered anybody before? Definitely not. Definitely not, which makes me feel a whole lot better when talking with you about all of this. 
But you know, the New Testament teaches that if we have hatred in our heart, it's considered murder in God's courtroom. So have you ever just been angry at someone or hated someone? Yeah, I'm sure I have. Yeah, definitely, right? Now, that's only four of the Ten Commandments, so I'll stop there. But the Bible teaches that every person is going to die and stand before God. So if God judged you based upon his moral law, the Ten Commandments, would you be innocent or guilty? I'd be guilty. You'd be guilty. So do you think you deserve to go to heaven when you die? I guess I never really thought about it like that. Exactly. You know, things aren't always what they seem. But Casey, God loves you uh, even though you're a sinner, just like God loves me even though I'm a sinner. And God proved his love by sending Jesus here to live on this earth. And Jesus died for my sin. You know, the Bible says that the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ the Lord. So Jesus bore my penalty in his body. He was buried and resurrected. And the Bible says that if you turn from your sin and place your trust in Christ to follow him, that you'll be forgiven of your sin and you'll be given a relationship with God and a promised home in heaven. Not because you're good, but because you have trusted in God's plan for salvation. Does that sound like something that you need to do? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now, sharing the gospel is not always that simple. But here's the unique thing. When I shared with him and he said, yeah, definitely, I can remember a time when I was sharing the gospel in a shoe store. It was Rack Room Shoes. Uh, it's probably one of the first times that I can actually remember sharing the gospel and getting to the point where I would invite that person to make a decision. And never forget, I had some people there with me who were sharing. And I asked that individual, would you like to give your heart to Christ right now? And they were like, yeah. And I remember going, yeah? yeah I mean, you really do? Like, you actually want to be saved? That, I mean, that's, that's awesome. I just never really went that far with somebody. So I was almost shocked. I didn't really know what to do. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. I can lead you in a prayer right now, and you can give your heart to Christ right here in Rack Room Shoes. That sound like something you want to do? And they were like, yeah. So I said, okay, here's what we're going to do then. Everybody kind of gather in. I brought my friends in. I said, okay, let's just bow together. I didn't even know what hardly to say. And so I just told the person, you just repeat after me, all right? Just say, God, I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. I'm trusting Jesus for salvation. I want to follow you. I remember saying amen, and we all opened our eyes, and it was overwhelming, uh, God's presence right there with us as this individual gave their heart to Christ. So you have the opportunity to go and share the gospel. Now remember, not everybody's going to respond well to the gospel. Remember Luke chapter 10 when Jesus sent them out? What did he say to them? He said, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. So not everybody's going to be fired up about the message and say, yes, that's what I've been looking for. But some will. But just be ready. I've been rejected a whole lot more than I have been received. But God has put people in your path, your path, who need to hear the gospel. And I am challenging you to think about your path now and whom God has placed in your path. Who can you share the gospel with? Which really does, it kind of leads me uh, to want to talk to you about what we often call the sphere of influence. And in the sphere of influence, what we do typically is we just draw a little picture of ourselves. And I want you to do this. So uh, maybe you've got to turn your notes over right now. Everybody do it. I'm serious to heart attack. Go ahead and do it. I don't hear those pages turning. Turn them, turn them, turn them. All right, so right on the back of that, I just want you to basically copy what I've done here on the whiteboard. What I've done is I've uh, put a picture of me right here in the middle, which I know I'm not an artist. Matter of fact, I did miss one thing right here. Uh, I don't know if you can pick that up, but those are my biceps. 
God bless you for that laughter. All right. But anyway, so just for a moment, pretend uh, this is me. Then you're going to draw some circles around you, just three circles. Very quickly, you're kind of right in the center. And what we're going to do now is we're going to ask you to consider people who are in your path who do not have a relationship with Jesus. So the first circle would basically represent your family. So right now where you are, think about your family, okay? Who in your family do you know does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Can you think of anybody? Some of you right now, you're already thinking of them. They're coming to mind immediately. Jot their names down right now. Just jot them down right next. Just put the name of that individual right there, all right? And you may be thinking more, more than one. Jot their names down. Jot them down, jot them down very quickly, all right? Now, we're going to go from family into the next uh, situation here, which is our friends, all right? So think about your friends. You know, your friends can be uh, your coworkers. Um, your friends can be people that you hang out with during the week. You know, some of you may be uh, stay-at-home moms like uh, Krista is, my wife, and you may have some play dates set up with some friends so that you guys get together throughout the week and, uh, you know, our kids play together. Those could be some friends. Think about some friends that you know uh, who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You, you got them in your mind? Think, write, write their names down. Just jot their names down right next to this concept here of your friends. So jot their names down. Real quick, real quick, real quick. All right, now let's go to the third area. And this is what we call our acquaintances, which I'm sure right now that I should be able to spell acquaintance, but I cannot. So just pretend that that says acquaintance, all right? You would think I'm smarter. I'm, I'm not as smart as I look. All right, let's put it that way. All right, so here's acquaintances. These are people that you, uh, you, just, you don't know them on a friendship level, but you, you see them very often. And these might be folks that you see at the YMCA, all right? Or maybe these are individuals that you run into because you eat lunch at the same place every single week. And so maybe you have the same server, the same waiter, the same waitress, whatever. Think about those individuals. You may not even know their names, but you know they're in your path, all right? So just jot them down, even if you've got to put something like waiter, all right, right there. All right, now, look at your sheet of paper. Here's what I want you to do now. You've got to use your mind with me for just a moment, okay? Don't go to sleep on me. Focus very quickly for a moment. Think about one person on that list, on the back of that sheet of paper that you've just been writing. If you hadn't been writing, shame on you, first of all. Uh, secondly, maybe you've got somebody in mind anyway. Think about an individual that you know you're going to come in contact this week who does not have a relationship with Jesus. You got their names in your mind? You got them there? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to challenge you to actually share the gospel with them. And we've hooked you up with the opportunity to do so using these little cards. But also, when you came to church this morning, you probably noticed over to your right as well as to your left uh, some huge replicas of these two particular cards. These replicas are there on purpose and uh, we put those there because what we want to do during the invitation time is we actually want to invite you to leave the place where you've been seated and come forward. And on those huge replicas, I want you to write the first name of the person that you're going to seek to share the gospel with. You're like, why in the world would I do such a thing? Uh, there's something about doing this that just cements it in your heart and also reminds you to continue to pray for those people this week. And uh, man, really just challenges you, kind of puts you out there on the front line where you're like, I've got to share the gospel with them now. All right? So I want to invite you in just a moment. We stand to our feet. 
you come forward. Now, don't wait on everybody else. You come forward. We've got some pins down here. You jot their name. You're praying for them as you head back to your seat. And James is going to lead us during the invitation. But here's what I really want you to listen to. And everybody look at me eyeball to eyeball. All right, looking at me? Here's the deal. You've been in here this morning. You can't share something that you don't possess. You know, as you read Paul's letters, you begin to find that he calls the gospel his. In other words, he said, I'm going to go and share my gospel. It shows ownership. He has possession of it because it's been given to him by the Lord Jesus Christ. So you've been in here, and as I was asking Casey those questions about lying, about thieving, about murder, about adultery, you were thinking, man, I'm guilty of those things. I'm guilty. And as I begin to talk about Jesus and how he bore the punishment of wrath in his body for you, he died in your place, he did that for me. And then as I talk to you about the fact that you needed to turn from your sin and place your trust in Jesus, some of you were sitting out there going, I need to make that decision. Well, I want to invite you to do that right now. So in just a moment, we're going to stand to our feet. James is coming even now. And as he comes, man, I want to invite you this morning to come forward. A lot of people will be coming. So if you want to give your heart to Christ, we're going to have pastors right here in the front waiting on you. They're already standing up here. So guys, if you're not already up here, come on. Get up here very quickly right here in the front. Man, they are praying for you. They are waiting for you. I'm going to invite you to come as James begins to lead us. Some of you may be called to join this church family. You've not done that yet. You come forward as well. So I'm going to pray for us. We're going to sing. You're going to begin to put the names down, praying for them. You share the gospel with them. I'm coming back this next weekend. And man, I can't wait to celebrate with you all of the opportunities to share the gospel. So let me pray for us, and then we'll go right into the invitation. Let's pray together. Everybody bow your head with me. Father, in Jesus' name. I pray specifically for every individual in worship today. I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would bring people to mind that they can share the gospel with. And then this week, I pray for divine appointments, that you would open up the door and you would give them by the power of your Holy Spirit the boldness to speak the message. And God, I pray that they would trust in the power of the gospel to change people's lives. So do that. And even now, Lord Jesus, we pray that you would have your way during this time of invitation. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. While James sings, go ahead, you begin to come.